Okay, before we get going, make sure you follow us on Instagram at Vegas.Golden.Mikes, on Twitter at VegasMikes. On YouTube, subscribe to us, just Vegas Golden Mike, super simple. On Spotify, follow us. If you do that anytime there's a new episode out, you will be notified if you have that set up on your phone. That's super easy. Um, we didn't have audio for that last one. We'll get that figured out. Uh, or we did, Excuse me, we didn't have video for that. Um, that was just the computer thing we talked about on there, but we'll have, we have that figured out, so everything will run smooth. Um, we're getting better at the computer thing. That's a little, that was a little tough to start, but we got that figured out. Uh, if you have weddings coming up, if you have anything where you need to be the best dressed, best looking person in there, make sure you head down to Stitched, uh, down on the strip and get a suit, get some sweet shoes to match. Uh, tell them you were sent by us. They'll be super nice to you. They'll take care of you. Um, they have the best looking stuff in Las Vegas anywhere you go. They're spreading out. They're getting huge. Uh, pro baseball players, just pro athletes all over the country are wearing them. So head down to Stitch and follow on Instagram at Stitch Life. Also, uh, got a different Always Living hat on today. Check that out. Uh, it's one of my 10. But head to their website, alwaysliving.com. Use promo code VGM for 25% off your first order of a sweet hat like this. Uh, summer's coming to an end. Everyone knows that beanie season is upon us. So head over there and get a sweet beanie. Uh, some long sleeve shirts are coming out on there. And some collabs with us. Our guest today is a very good friend of mine. He is a, has been a mentor of mine since I moved to Vegas. Um, he still is. He's kind of a big brother, an uncle to me. He was a coach. Uh, he's done it all for me. And he's an OG of the podcast. He came on when Joey and I did this back in the day. So please welcome Chuck Hazard. Thanks for having me, amigo. It's good to be back. Good to be back in... Uh on the mic with you. I mean, it's been a little while. It's uh, a little better setting this time instead of being on the couch like we were, just kicking it. Yeah, that's the same couch down there. That's scary, actually. Yeah, we uh, we had it cleaned, we had it taken care of, but now that we have the dog, she kind of gets all over it. And <laughs> it's not as clean, but this is a better setup for sure than the last one. That was that's very really nice. Yeah, that was very um, very cheap stuff we didn't film it the it was mics. very dark it was kind of a loungy like a smoker's loungy kind of feel to the place yeah it's kind of what that room was <laughs> like it was we had that loft up there and we had all the windows blacked out and we had a projector on the wall because we didn't have a tv none of us had a tv at the time so we had a like a 99 dollar projector off amazon and it just went on that that wall in the back but um that was cool and that was uh fun to do that with you um we did it with you and nielsen and rob and just because we were, were really comfortable with you, and I think we had a blast doing it. I mean, had a great time. Um, the world may never hear any of that. I got a. It's on one of those old laptops, so I got to find a way to hack it off there and get it out <laughs> at some point. It might sound. I mean, we had to be super, um, like cautious because we couldn't cuss or anything. Yeah. I mean, you, you didn't. I mean, at that point, you didn't care, but. Uh, I probably did, knowing me. I had to have. I think you did, and you called out some guys too. I think, like you said, so was, I was like, "Oh, hopefully they don't listen to this." Like, but it was fun. It was a blast, and I'm glad. To, thank you very much for coming on. And we've had a good. Our first couple guests have been good, and I'm, I'm happy to have you here. And I'm sure you'll come on plenty more because you're a fellow Giants fan and baseball fan. So uh, the G-men, our boys. Yeah. It's going to be interesting this year. It is, yeah. but I'm excited. I mean, like, it can't get worse. No. No, it certainly can't. And and tell you what, the uh, the way Daniel Jones played so far this preseason, it's been pretty exciting, actually. Yeah. Kind of, uh, you know, everybody was uh, down on the pick. I certainly was. I can remember driving in my truck back from uh, 
Summerlin Hospital and hearing the uh, the draft on the radio, and literally my text messages started blowing up. Like, what are you guys doing? I was like, I don't even know. What are we doing? I called my dad because it was like the same situation. I'm like, Dad, who the fuck is Daniel Jones? And he's like, <laughs> I, I don't know. And they're showing all these clips, and it's like, oh, oh okay, okay. Like, here we go. But now it's like, and, and we've talked about it a lot because obviously Joey's a Giants fan and, yeah. and talked to my dad about it, but they're they're hyping him up so much. Can can we not forget about Eli? Yeah, right. I, everyone shits on him, and I know like he's not the greatest quarterback ever. And maybe this kid's going to be great, but he's a rookie. Like sit back For there sure. and learn from Eli. And if he goes down, like it's nice to know there's that guy back there. But I hope it's just not like they're super quick to pull the trigger because he's back there, and then you throw him into the fire and in game like four or five. Well, I can say that the biggest problem the Giants have had probably over the last eight years is their offensive line. And to tell you the truth, I don't think it's gotten any better. So, you know, Eli's punch drunk, and every time he sees somebody in his face from like five feet away, he just drops like a sack of potatoes. So at some point in time this year, you know, Father Time's catching up. At some point, you know, I hate to say it, but – he's probably not going to be upright for the full season. So it's nice to know that we've got a little bit of an option back there. Plus, you know, the kid's learning from a guy who's won two Super Bowls. So it's an ideal situation if you look at it. It, it is. I mean, that's a great guy to learn behind. you got to love going in. I mean, being a rookie, it doesn't, I haven't heard a, him a word from him as far as, like, interviews and what he's saying. But, like, if, if he's smart, he just shuts up and, and works his ass off and sits yeah, and learns from you. Yeah, for sure. Just be ready to go and – I, mean, I don't know. It should be fun. It's always NFL season's always fun. You gotta love. I mean, I love I watching the That's Giants. It's so funny. Like, yeah. all right, so I'm a diehard New York fan. The Giants, the Yankees, the Knicks. Right? I know the Yankees mm. is gonna kill you because you're a Red Sox fan, but you guys suck this year, so don't worry about it. Yeah, we do. Uh, but yeah, I had the, we had the I had the exact same reaction. You know, as a Knicks fan when we drafted Porzingis, and everybody's like, "Who the <laughs> fuck is this guy?" Right? Like, same thing with Daniel Jones. Like, I had to go back and like look him up and watch like some of his games. And I was like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the, the preseason's been good so far for him. So, But it, it is the preseason. You don't know who he's yeah. going up against, like who's not playing defense. But uh, that comes uh being a Giants fan and living here, I consider it a dilemma that we have in our hands. But what do, how do you look at the Raiders coming here? I mean, it's one of those things. I'm glad it's, uh, you know, an AFC team. It's not an NFC team. You know, there's a ton of – chargers and broncos fans here in town and that's it, got them just absolutely just torn like what do we do yeah. you know i can't root for this team and be like if the cowboys or the eagles moved here we would be like what i can't yeah I there's can't no chance you, you <laughs> just get to buy a jersey of everybody on the schedule that year exactly and then just go and root against them yeah. so i don't know it's one of those things where um i'm not buying season tickets but i'm definitely going to go watch a game you know at least one game a season and i'll take i'll take hudson out there and and you know, we'll have fun, but, you know, I'm excited that there's going to be that in town, just like I was excited when we got a hockey team. I mean, it's been amazing for this town. Yeah. Um, and it will be. It'll be great for the city, you know, and it'll also, you know, byproduct, it's going to be great for UNLV, too. Yeah. That they could play their football games there instead of out at Sam Boyd. That place is terrible. It's so cool, and it's, it's your Hudson's so lucky to be able to, like, grow up and have all these teams here because there's so many people that, like, he's not going to remember when there wasn't, right. when the Knights weren't here. What, right. I mean, what was he won when they, their yeah. first game was played? Like, He actually went, too. Yeah, <laughs> not surprising. <laughs> but, like, he's going to go. You know, the first Raider game I go to will be my first NFL game. Really? And, like, he'll probably, yeah, he'll, you guys will probably be there. So he's probably <laughs> been to one already. But um, it's just cool to have 
I mean, just since we moved here, there wasn't anything like at the fifty ones games, and you right. were going down to shitty Cashman, and yeah. now it's like you're you're going to Las Vegas ballpark, and it's better than I mean, just as nice as the nicest big league park, just a mini version. I haven't gone there yet. We're supposed Ooh. to go tonight, so if we can score a babysitter, we're going to the, tonight's game. So. Looking forward to that. Yeah, don't call me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll go with you to the game. But there, it's, it's, I mean, it's first class. You can imagine it's up in some, uh, downtown Sermon, so everything's perfect. And I'm sure people have told you. But then uh, them and then having the, the nights down on the strip and being able to go down to games down there and then the success that they've had has been super cool. But, like, so many people have lived here and there was no sports to follow. And now, I mean, there's soccer, there's hockey. We have WNBA. Like, who knows when the NBA is coming? Right. It's just going to keep getting bigger and bigger. And there's so much room down on the strip. You could build so many more stadiums. So that's pretty cool. But uh, Joey's Joey doesn't – Joey came home after he listened to the first podcast and said – he's like, I can't believe you said you were going to be a Raider fan. I'm like, well, <laughs> if it's Giants and Raiders, like, I'm cheering for the Giants. But, like, if I'm going to a Raiders game, I'm not going to root for anyone else. Like, right. I think it's super cool that the stadium's – 10 minutes from here like we're hopping an uber over there and then get home can, I, can I just stop for a second do you know they just announced that they're going to name the stadium allegiant stadium yeah have you ever flown allegiant <laughs> so many times we flew um we flew allegiant back to stockton every time we went home because it's like 30 bucks right that's the sketchiest so thing my ever. wife is from vancouver and bellingham is just across the border so we would fly from here to bellingham and allegiant does that holy cow that's the worst that's the worst experience. That's the worst flying experience of my life. It's terrible. Every yeah. time there's, it's either late or it gets canceled yes. or something happens where you're just sitting out there. It's bumpy. Like everything's well, sketchy. The, the plane seats, makes noises. The seats are yeah. like They're just steel, thin. steel with like just the lightest fabric over it. So you're sitting on steel for like two and a half hours. Yeah. So so when they first announced that, I mean, I, I mean, it makes sense because they're allegiance yeah. here, but still, my thought was. Because I've been on many Allegiant planes where there's like fog coming out of the AC. You know, like it looks like smoke. Like what the hell is oh, yeah. going on? The first like the AC turns on in there, and it's yeah. just fog. People are freaking out that we're getting gas, it's and everyone terrible. just bails out. But most people won't know that, and so it'll be cool. The Allegiant Stadium, they'll call it the Al and Al Davis. You know, so that's kind of cool. But for yeah. those of us who've flown Allegiant, it's like ooh, yeah. Hopefully the <laughs> Raiders aren't chartering Allegiant planes all over the place to be safe. But um, it should be fun to go to those games. The NFL is just another. I mean, college football games are fun to go to. Like the UNLV games are cool. Like be down on the sideline playing. I mean, when they have really good teams come in, it's those guys are animals. I can't imagine what the NFL is going to oh, be like. The NFL is going crazy. Plus the Raider fan base alone is crazy too. So it's yeah. going to be interesting. What I'm worried about is the whole tailgating parking situation. I mean, yeah. so much... Like, I've, I've grown up going to Giants games. You know, I lived in Florida. I used to go to the Buccaneers games and the Jaguars games. And the biggest part of it, you know, more so than the game, was the tailgating experience. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there because, I mean, people, you know, they get out there bright and early and tailgate all day and get, you know, get lubed up and go to the game. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there around the stadium. Someone needs to be like someone who owns land near near there needs to just pave it and be like, hey, this is where you, you can pay. Like it's twenty bucks a car or fifty yeah. bucks a car, right. whatever. People it is. are gonna pay it. <coughs> yeah, people are hundred percent gonna pay it. And if it's close, like whatever. Because otherwise, it's gonna be like a shit. I mean, I I don't know. I think it's gonna be cool regardless. Though people are gonna find a way. It's Vegas. They're gonna find a way. They'll to find party. a way. Yeah. But it's all those Raider fans are going to be hopping on Allegiant flights from the Bay Area. They're going to be driving to Stockton and flying over and all geared up. Those flights will be funny to be on. But uh, we could get away from football. I mean, I'm, I'm, 
Uh, this is my first year that I'm, I'm able to play fantasy, so I'm getting ready. We have a draft tonight. And oh, I'm you do? excited about taking Eli. If I have, if I get the first pick, Eli's my first pick for sure. So last year in my league, I picked Saquon. First pick, I had the fourth pick overall, and I took Saquon. And he was awesome. And I was terrible for, uh, I don't know, like four weeks. But my second to last pick was Andrew Luck because everybody thought he was going to be hurt last year. And he came on so strong at the end of the year that I snuck into the playoffs and then won the league because Saquon oh, that's and beautiful. Andrew Luck was ridiculous. Yeah. It was awesome. Um, I would, I, I'm definitely not going to take Eli as my first pick. but uh, <laughs> I would punch you if you did. Yeah, that, that would just be silly. I'm going to take Saquon if I get the first pick for sure because that's, that's the smart way to go. Oh, hell yeah. I, I don't know. Or Antonio Brown. Because uh, I think he's, you know, I've been watching Hard Knocks, so I'm, I'm a huge fan of his I right now. I missed it last week. I didn't dude, get out of, sur- I didn't so get out of surgery good. last night. That's, oh, that's, that's great, dude. We could talk about this all day because I, I think that show is fantastic. And they make, yeah, you got to watch. Uh, sorry, I'm switching some stuff up on here. Just so now we're looking at each other on there instead of looking opposite <laughs> directions. I wasn't paying attention to that. But um, they make all the shit in the media. It's like Antonio Brown's just the worst guy ever because this helmet stuff. And even in the first couple of podcasts that we, did like i talk about it i don't know it's like i'm kind of back and forth on like uh, this helmet thing like everyone else is doing it just shut up but the more i think about it i'm like he played with this one piece of equipment for seven years whatever it was and now they're like oh you can't wear this and you have to wear something totally different it's like shit man like i'm the best in the league like you're gonna tell me i gotta do something different and the you'll see the one last night they have a lot of lot of camera time with him and he's talking he's just like damn i just want to work i just want to play like get me a helmet that works like that i want to wear that we're comfortable with so I, th- I mean, I thought last night of all. Have you watched all the seasons? Yeah. I w- last night was the best episode of. Great, and I missed it. Yeah, awesome. Well, it's still there. It's not, <laughs> we, can, we can stop this right now and watch it if you want. It was that good, but I, I enjoyed the hell out of it. And Mike and I watched it down here, and we were. It was funny. Like Gruden is hilarious. Every time he he talks to somebody, it, the conversation is classic. When he's just he's talking there to a player, no matter who it is. But then when they walk away. He says something to himself, like makes a joke, like oh, not, not anymore. Like well, how bad has Monday Night Football been since he's been gone? Oh, uh, it's it's terrible. And I then don't. I watched the uh, the Denver game the other day, and it's just God, it's awful. You know, with I mean, it, I I didn't think it could get any worse than it was last year, and now it's. I mean, the other day it was brutal. I think uh, like major broadcast of like Sunday Night Baseball, Monday Night Football, anything that's like big production games are just it's terrible right and i don't know what it is there's a couple i mean i'm biased i like the red sox guys listening to them um there's a couple other teams that have good guys that are funny when the red sox had orsillo and remy they were hilarious best best baseball combo you could have announcing and then sunday night baseball you listen to it and it's like shut up all hey, like all of them uh, yeah, I, I I don't know it's just like i grew up playing against a rod and i hate a rod yeah. now i gotta listen to a rod and you had, so you never cheered for him when he was. Oh, I can't stand him. Yeah, well, I just they t- what bothers me is they on there they talk so phony and it's they're speaking like everybody watching the game has never watched a baseball game before. Like if you're watching Sunday night baseball, you know baseball. You're not you know like oh hey like there's a baseball game I'm gonna watch it. Like if you don't give a shit about baseball, you're not gonna watch it at home. Right. Like if you're a baseball fan, you're tuning in to Sunday Night Baseball to watch your team playing on there, probably because your broadcast is blacked out, and you got to listen to these clowns talk for three hours about your team. Like, it's just, uh, it's not good. I it's know. just fake. Like, we're not stupid. If you're, if some, like, you, we have some knowledge. They like explain a, 
it's just something as simple as a Bach. I will like, say it I love every listening time. to uh, Kirk Jen and, and Perez. Those guys are great. Yeah. That's a good crew. They're good. I'm just, I guess I just don't like the Sunday Night Baseball crew. But um, <laughs> So baseball is actually how we first met when I came in as a junior at UNLV. You were the ops guy. Right. And baseball operations. Um, more than an ops guy for, for all of us. He was kind of another he was another hitting coach so i mean he was just another coach in general but not only baseball like off the field helped us and and anytime we had a struggle um go to him and it was just that one year right yeah it was just there because that was my second year doing it and you guys were my last year of giving it a run i spent basically 10 years in college baseball and around college baseball and tried like crazy to get that break but it never happened uh started out at unlv went to pepperdine got my master's degree while i was coaching there came back to UNLV and uh, my wife and I decided that uh, enough had been enough. You know, I was scraping by and peanuts and one, we wanted to start a family. And, and uh, so I had to, had to hang up the, uh, the turf shoes. Yeah, that's, <laughs> it, it happens to all of us at some point. Um, I mean, one of like the conversations that we've had multiple times over the years that you like, you were pissed at me when I got the job because it was the job that, that you wanted and like you just said you did it for 10 years and I mean I'm, I'm the first to admit that I got super lucky with that job kind of like falling into my hands just the timing of me getting released everything that was like going down was such a weird situation with like who was like the, let's let's clarify I wasn't pissed at you yeah I was like damn it dude yeah n- yeah not not <laughs> pissed, pissed at me is the wrong way to put it but it like I mean it totally makes sense I would be just in the same situation like shit like how I got lucky. Like that doesn't happen to anybody. And like people probably are looking at me that like I just quit after doing it for four years and they're like, what the fuck? Like that kid had it made. Why is he, why is he out? But, um, like at this point, like I don't regret it, but now like knowing that how long you did it and how bad you want to do it, I kind of wish like you would have just got it and like, who knows what would happened, but, um, it worked out pretty good for you. Yeah, it did. I'm, I'm, uh, in medical device sales now for spine surgery and and i get to wear pajamas every day i wear scrubs every day it's great i get to sit in on spine surgeries and watch these guys do what they do it's pretty crazy uh, the hours can get kind of hairy at times but they can also be nice and relaxed at times like today i don't i don't have anything to do so i'm here with you it's pretty cool yeah this is awesome that when you said uh that you could do it today and then you text me like i could do it from nine to three i was like holy shit like what nothing yeah, going on today yeah but. we had it's uh it's actually been a slow summer for spine surgery it's uh a good thing for people i guess yeah that's that sounds good <laughs> good for people shitty for you guys but yeah you know, it does seem like that because um if there's one job that like most people i know do it's the medical sales thing now it seems like everyone that's getting into it, especially like former athletes it seems like all the companies want to hire people that were athletes. Well, the whole thing with um, with medical device companies is they want to hire former athletes because we're so competitive, right? And you've got to you know you got to compete against other medical devices, and we all kind of push the sim- same thing. So, you know, are you going to back down from a surgeon who says, "Well, I'm already using this"? Well, I don't care. Use my stuff. You know, yeah. like, you just keep going at them and keep going at them until you win. And that's how you get cases. So. It's just the, I mean, and you are, you could tell like people that were competitive as players, the successful ones, they normally are successful after just because they, like, sure. like you said, they're just like not going to give up and keep going. But um, the other thing too is we're, we're very extroverted people. You know, we're always around people in the clubhouse. We're always talking to, you know, coaches, players, fans, parents. So we, we, we're used to talking, we're used to being around other people. 
and uh, that's the other thing too is a lot of a lot of the business is schmoozing you know taking you know doctors out to dinner you know mm-hmm. taking them out on the course doing something and uh, the other thing too is doctors spent their whole life in you know you know in the books or in labs or whatnot and they didn't have much of a social life and you know they look up to athletes so you know you put an athlete in the room they're going to sit there and chat them up you know, all surgery long about, you know, their favorite teams or their favorite sports. And it just makes sense. That's uh, one thing that's kind of Joey's brought home from it. He's like, dude, you'd be surprised. Like every time, every surgery that's going on, we're talking about sports. Like these Mm -hmm. doctors are nails and they're really good at this, but they can just like, if there's a break or even like just before, after they want to talk about sports. And and that makes sense that, like you said, like these guys were in school, they didn't have time to play sports, but, um, we have a couple guys that we played with that are doctors now, which is crazy. And that you coached, which yeah. Io and Shul. Shul's almost there, but that's awesome. Shul, How, what is an athlete? <laughs> a, yeah, Shul, an athlete doctor just makes a badass, right? Yeah, that absolutely. just makes a good one. But so you got um, you got into this position after your your the coaching uh, period of your t- uh, career ended, but before coaching you were a player like you had a very successful career and you went to florida and i can i don't know anything before that i'm gonna leave it at florida and give it to you i uh yeah i went to high school in dallas texas uh, dallas jesuit and uh i got recruited um to a bunch of schools but i ultimately chose the university of florida play at, i always thought the sec was the uh, greatest baseball conference so i really wanted to see what i could do there and unfortunately i was i was recruited by a guy named joe arnold uh, who ended up redshirting me my first year, and then he got fired. And, you know, I love Joe to death, but thank God that happened because Andy Lopez, who was the uh, head coach at Pepperdine at the time and won a national championship two years prior, got the head coaching job. And uh, Those robots. What was that? That was tough. You said something, and Alexa started going off. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's trippy. Hold on. It's playing Jeopardy. Echo. Stop. No. <laughs> Echo. Stop. Yeah, we're gonna have to get rid of that. Wow, that That's was crazy. interesting. That was so weird. What would you have said that? I don't know. I said Echo. Andy Lopez. Echo. Went off. Huh. I didn't say anything. That's weird. <laughs> Be- Bezos. Okay, sorry. Andy but, Lopez. Uh, but Andy Lopez took over the job and. Uh, Man, that was crazy. That was a, such a, a shock to the system, and thank God he did. Um, I mean, this this will tell you everything you need to know. Our first team meeting with Andy Lopez, I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, he had the the whole team was sitting in the locker room. He walked in and he goes, "This is Steve Kling, your hitting coach. This is Gary Henderson, your pitching coach. That's Eric Ekdahl, your volunteer coach. I'm Andy Lopez, your head coach. I need all of you guys to do me a favor. I need you to look at the guy on your right." Now look at the guy on your left. That guy's not going to be here next year. Good luck. And walked out. And that was it. And everybody was like, what did he just say? Basically, he's canning all of us after the season. And back in the day, you could actually do that. Yeah. You know, no rules. Yeah. No rules. Do whatever you want. Yeah. So uh, it, was a, uh, it was an incredible year where he just, I mean, there was an article in the paper that year. They called him Bobby Knight with a fungo. <laughs> I mean, he was just in your face, oh, crazy. But he had a thing. Like, he, he wanted to make sure that, you know, he said it too. Practices are mine, games are yours. I'm going to make practices so damn hard that when you get to a game, you're going to relax and you're just going to take off. And and we did. We uh, I think we were preseason ranked like 68th that year, and 
and uh, we we finished, I think, third in the SEC. Um, we just missed out on a regional. It was crazy. I don't know how we didn't make a regional. But then the next year we were in the College World Series. So I mean, we we're it was it was awesome. Um, but yeah, I was drafted by the Yankees, and I spent about ten seconds there before getting released. But you know, that's how it goes. I was I was a great player with an aluminum bat, but not so much with a wooden bat. Isn't that weird? How I mean. I- I wouldn't by any means say that I was ever a great player with an aluminum bat, but like the switch, like how much of a difference it makes? You hit 400. Well, you should have. Your brother screwed you, but for two years, how did he <laughs> screw me? What he? Do? Oh yeah, that was bullshit. That was the worst. Yeah. I don't know if I've, I've been mad at him quite a bit in my life, but you should was... be. Like you, that's one of those things you can never get over. Yeah. I haven't gotten over it, and I'm I didn't, I'm not even you. Well, you could tell that story, so I don't sound cocky. All right, so Pat was hitting, I think 401 or 402. And all you had to do at air we at Air Force at too, Air Force. last conference weekend yeah and so easy and I think all you needed to do was one or two hits one hit the last two games or something to stay four hundred and somebody had told Joey that and he couldn't believe it and he went right up to you and was like oh my god Pat all you have to do is get one hit to hit four hundred for the year and then you didn't get a hit. You know, yeah, like I you... proceeded to strike out on curveballs about six feet in front of the plate. Yeah, right next it was to ugly. And then I got pulled, and I was sitting next to you for the rest of the game. But yeah, yeah that was bush. Yeah, thanks a lot, Joey. Yeah. Now I can I can't ever say I hit over. I did hit over four hundred, but it never stuck. That's tough. <laughs> we had a lot of we had a lot of fun. But um, yeah, do you just make that switch to that the wood bats? And I mean, your metal bats were a little different than the ones that we used, but. We, uh, it's funny, like, so my junior year is when they went to the five under craziness. I never used it. I always used a, um, 34, 31 against left-handers and a 33 and a half, 30 and a half against righties. And it's just cause you know, I just wanted the shorter bat to get to the inside pitch for a righty. Um, but yeah, I never used it. I, I remember the first time I was ever given a five under bat in BP, my first swing, I broke the bat. It just, it cracked all the way down the barrel. I was like, this is dog shit. So I never yeah. used it. So, yeah, I, I never benefited from it. I never used it. I always used a, a three under. That's super strange. So are you, you got drafted by the Yankees. Is that why you're a Yankees fan or were you a Yankee no, fan No, I grew that? up on the third baseline of Yankee Stadium. Uh, I grew okay. up about 40 minutes from Yankee Stadium in Connecticut. And uh, we didn't move to Texas until I was uh, 12, almost 13 years old. So that's why I'm a New York fan. And so to be drafted by, you know, the team, it's a funny day. So, George, this is how the story goes. George Steinbrenner is a huge uh, University of Florida fan. His kids went there. So we were playing in the College World Series against Florida State. And my first at bat, I hit a home run. And uh, he comes in, the draft's going on at that point. And the story goes, he comes in the draft room and says, Hey, is this Hazard kid on the board? I mean, he plays at Florida. He just hit a home run. They're like, Yeah, he's on the board. Mm-hmm. We're not there yet. And my second at bat, I. I got up, I hit a home run, and he came in. And he was like, he just hit another home run. If we don't draft this kid right now, all you guys are fucking fired, right? <laughs> so that's what my scout told me when, when, he, when, uh, when they tried to sign me. So that was pretty cool. That's my, my Steinbrenner. I never got to meet him, um, which pissed me off. But, uh, no, I had a great time. My, my, uh, my hero back then was Bernie Williams. It's a cool story. So I get down there in Tampa, and we're staying at the Ramada there, and it's the god it was so fucking hot in tampa in the middle of summer and it was gulf coast league so you practice all morning and then play your game in the afternoon it was brutal and uh so i i think it was the second day first or second day i'm down there i come up 
the hotel room. I am so fucking exhausted. I go down to the, um, the vending machine to get a Coke and you know, the elevator opens and it's Bernie Williams mm-hmm. walking out. I was like, he goes, Hey, how's it going? And I was wearing my like Yankees gear, you know? So obviously he knew I was on the team or something. Yeah. He's like, Hey, how's it going? I'm Bernie. I was like, I know what the fuck you are. <laughs> no shit. Like, you're right here. Like, Holy shit. You're Bernie Williams. And uh, he's like, eh, yeah, I got hurt last night in Baltimore. I was like, yeah, I know. I saw when he slid into second base. He's like, yeah. He goes, hey, you know, they get all the Yankee games on. You want to come down to the, uh, my room? We'll watch the game together. I was like, fucking A right, I do. Yeah. So that was pretty so cool. I got, to watch a, I got to watch a game. And then the next day, they put him up in, a, in a, his own suite in a different hotel. But I was like, damn, I got to hang out with Bernie Williams Friends for a day. Friends Bernie for a day. That's yeah. pretty cool. The only thing I was mad about is he didn't bring his guitar. Like, I want to hear him play. That would have been cool. But, you know, that's... Oh didn't know he was a guitar player but yeah, he's a, uh, a big time guitar player so you were in your college days lucky enough to play in the college world series yeah i got to play twice actually yeah can you talk about that because <laughs> obviously that's somewhere that every uh young baseball player wants to get to and um we we made a regional and that was awesome just getting to that point and, and that's not even remotely close to making it there i've had some bu- other buddies that that have made it there and just said they can't explain the experience that have... it's not. So I take this back to like boxing or fighting. So all those years where Mike Tyson was knocking everybody out in the first like minute of a fight, I was like, God, these guys suck. Right. So fast forward, it's my first at bat in the college world series. Like I'm all like I'm batting for at the university of Florida. I've, I was an all American that year. And, uh, I'm facing Randy Choate, who I've faced all throughout my high school career. He's from Austin. I'm from Dallas. And uh, like I'm like, this is it's a it's a layup for me. Like Randy Choate, left-handed pitcher that I faced my whole life. I know this guy. I faced him, you know, he's Florida State, Florida. We play four times a year. Like it it couldn't be set up better for me. But it's the College World Series. It's Saturday, one o'clock. The game's on CBS. There's twenty-eight thousand people in the stands. God, I can't imagine playing in front of that many people. That's it was crazy. So I, right when I get in the box, I do my routine, I get in and all of a sudden I couldn't feel my legs. Like what I, like I was like, what the, I called timeout. I backed out of the box. I, I hammered my foot with my bat, like to kick my spikes. And I did it again on my other foot to see if I can get feeling back. And I was like, holy shit, I cannot feel my fucking legs. <laughs> I get in there and he throws me a first pitch fastball away. And I take it. Cause I don't know what the fuck's going on. Like I should have murdered that ball in the right center gap. I'm like, God damn it. I get out and I'm like, I got to do something. I like stretch my, my leg, get back in. Like he throws me. Hazard's a, cramping up in the first. He throws me a breaking ball next pitch and I roll over to the shortstop and I'm like, all right, I didn't make an ass of myself. You know, yeah. I didn't hit, but like it didn't strike out. I didn't make an ass of myself. I come back in the dugout and Lopes goes, why the hell didn't you hit that fucking first pitch? And I was like, Lopes, I couldn't feel my fucking legs. And he was like, all right, well, you get him next to bat. I was like, yeah, it was just the He'll weirdest thing. One. Like, and and it, I just thought about it like, all those guys fighting were like probably going in there like, oh my god, it's Mike Tyson. Like you just you can't feel your legs. And and that crazy, like insane, intense feeling, you just it your body just does something weird. And I, I literally like could not it's the craziest thing to this day. I've never had that feeling before, never had it since. But it was just like, wow, you're just so amped up. I I couldn't I couldn't feel it. It was yeah, weird. That's so strange. I mean, we were lucky enough to play at uh Creighton and which was the coldest baseball game I've ever been a part of, but like just being in TD Ameritrade where it's played now and like looking around and, and imagining being in that stadium, like being one of the last teams left and having it packed, like ESPN cameras everywhere, that pressure, like 
these guys seem to go out and perform every year. Like no one really seems nervous. It's just once that first pitch is thrown, like let's go. Or like so, you say, once you get through, through that first at bat, so it's just crazy. a ball game. We, we uh, Brad, this is a funny story too. with Mike Martin, who just uh, retired, and and God love, I love Mike Martin. Like I can't stand Florida State. Mm. Mike Martin is one of the nicest and and best people in the world. Head coach of Florida State. So Brad Wilkerson then was our right fielder. He was a freshman. He hit 400 as a freshman in the SEC. It's unbelievable. But he was also our closer, and we were we were down two to one. The bases were loaded in the eighth inning, bottom of the eighth inning, and right in front of him, he's hitting third. I'm hitting fourth. He hits a grand slam, two one changeup, grand slam. So he comes in and immediately goes running down to the bullpen and starts warming up. Right. So we had this uh, signal that Lopez would give to a hitter, he would point to his eye and that meant fake. Like you got something in your eye to stall because we got to get somebody loose. Right. So, uh, I get up to bat and I look in and he points to his eye. I'm like, all right, so I got to sell this. Right. So I get in, I'm like time, you know, and I'm like, Hey blue, I, I got something in my eye. Right. And he was like, all right, comes over and Mike Martin starts yelling from the dugout. He's stolen. He's stolen. And, and the ump's like, Mike, just relax. He goes, no, he's stalling. He's just trying to get Wilkerson loose. <laughs> and the umpire, I shit you not, goes, Mike, Wilkerson's been down there the whole inning. Yeah. Uh, idiot. He just hit a grand slam. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's so funny. It was classic. That's, that's so cool. I, I just, like, I don't know. I'm jealous. And there's video of you, too. Like, we found it. We found you hitting <laughs> some oppo tanks in the College World Series. That's pretty sweet. So it's funny. After that, so we, we won that game, and then we played LSU the next game and lost. And then we had to play Florida State again, and I hit two home runs that game. And then we had to play LSU in the semifinal game. We had to beat them. That day, where the bus arrives, and it's crazy, right? I, I get off the bus, and there's the ESPN camera crews, and they follow me all the way into the stadium because, you know, <laughs> I was the four-hole hitter. We had two yeah. home runs the night before, and it's like, Holy shit, this is real. <laughs> yeah, I better not fuck up tonight. Yeah, exactly. That's funny. Um, I mean, so after that, you got drafted by the Yankees, and we talked, um, I don't know if you listened to the one with Brett, but we pretty much the whole thing was just like back and forth pro ball experiences, and you know that like, I didn't have the best one. I don't know. You've always referred to yours as just quick, yeah. and that's we've never really like gone into it that much more. So can you like talk about what, what your so, experience yeah, was I like? was uh, – I, I took a um, – I took a baseball to the face prior to showing up. And so I was kind of, um, you know, I didn't show up on time. Right. And when I got there, I couldn't, I couldn't play right away. And I was in the Gulf coast league because they weren't going to send me out. Yeah. And so I had like a month and a half there and then you have the off season. And then they told me that they weren't going to resign me for the next year. So I was like, Okay, great. I had a month and a half. I got an offer from the St. Louis Cardinals. Really? That, so you went, damn. Yeah. So I had the St. Louis Cardinals offer me, and I was um, one semester away from graduating, and I knew I wasn't. Like, I was already 23 years old yeah. at the time. I was like, all right, I'm over it. So I went back to get my degree, and I wanted to get into coaching, and it just it didn't happen at Florida. So I went back to Texas and got a job and was coaching club ball, and then that's when I got the opportunity at UNLV. Okay, so the second you got released, were you just like, okay, my baseball's career is over? Because I knew the the day that the day I got released, my dad was in Phoenix. I mean, I never got out of the AZL. I was there for that. It was it's just similar to you. I 
they should have done what they said to you. Like, hey, we're just don't come to spring training yeah. because I went for I went to the AZL spring training for two weeks. They released me. My dad came down just to watch and they cut. They re- released people on Tuesday, the Tuesday before. And so everyone knew the Tuesday cut was coming. So he dropped me off. He had my car. I said, Dad, go to the gas station across the street because I'm going to call you in about five minutes and I need you to pick me up. He said, oh, don't say that. I'm like, no, it's going to happen. Like, yeah. I guarantee you I'm getting cut. So I walk in and I'm just like trying to act like everything's normal. I didn't even look at the practice plan because you had, it was broken down whatever on the wall. And walked in, put my stuff at my locker, went out to the, all the food was outside. So we're in the, in the catering tent. I'm in line with a plate of food. Everybody's in there because it's like an hour before everyone has to be wherever they're supposed to be. And the little shithead assistant to the GM comes in and taps me on the shoulder. He's like, hey, Pat. I'm like, yep. He's like, uh, what? I don't even remember. Whoever it is wants to see you in the office. And so, like, you know, as soon as that guy walks in the tent, everyone's watching him to see who he walks for. Yeah. So everyone's staring at me. And, like, That's like a hard knock situation. Exactly. exactly yeah, what it is. Yeah. They might as the well Turk. have HBO cameras on me. Right. And... I have a plate of shitty breakfast food in my hand, and I turn and I dump it right in the garbage can. I was like, "See ya, boys!" And everyone just starts like, "See ya, Pat!" Like waves it, and I walk right in. They're like, "Hey, uh, we just don't have a spot for you." Uh, I was like, "Okay, cool." They're like, do you wanna do you want us to help you get on an indie ball team? Like, absolutely not. Like, this is it. Like, I'm riding this out as long as I could, and like I knew this day was coming. Like, well, thanks. Yeah. Like, yeah, sure. Like, I'm sure you really appreciate everything <laughs> I did for you sitting on the bench in the AZL last year. But, um, damn, you didn't even, they didn't let you come nah, to school. No, like, training. I wasn't, I wasn't, I mean, shoot, I played at 6'3, 205, 210. And, you know, I was, I was drafted as a corner outfielder. You know, like, they wanted me to, you know, hit homers. Yeah. And that's, that wasn't going to be my game. I was, I was really fast. And, you know, I could cover some ground and, and I'd, I'd hit some out. Yeah, I was, I ran a six, six, seven, sixty. So, okay. We're <laughs> dropping numbers now. Yeah. I was um, the fastest guy on our team at Florida. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can, I mean, I could tell you like really, uh, between there's, I mean, everyone helped me coaching it at UNLV, but like you and Nielsen and, and cap the guys that were not the main coaches, like, all, like the, the volunteers or, or the ops guys, like there's just so much came out of, those relationships and I'm still very close with all you guys which is awesome and um we had so much fun yeah we, we I mean we won a lot but it was like being in the dugout was fun all the time and it was like even when it was shitty like you come in and like you'd be doing something like if we were like hadn't scored in like four innings or hadn't got a hit or something like some shit would be going on with the bats <laughs> like someone's like trying to light the bats on fire like pouring red bulls on them or like throwing them in the trash like screaming at them there was just always something funny going on it's all to get and it, it goes back to my days of playing with Andy Lopez where the the more you know intense or focused you are on the game sometimes you can mind fuck yourself right so if you're down in a game, you're like, God, we need to get this back. We need to get this back. It's like quicksand. You're just getting going to get worse and worse and mm-hmm. worse, right? So I always tried to lighten it up in the dugout. Like, fuck, we got plenty of time, you know? Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, and really, like, that was what you were kind of there to do during games. Like, what else are you going to do during games? Like, maybe keep a chart or something. But right. you were kind of just sitting there, like, and you being, like, knowing so much baseball, you could be like, hey, what, like, check out what this guy's doing. Or, yeah. you, or like, the... <laughs> The classic, the best is when Matt came back in and you just blew him up because he took three fastballs right down the middle. But 
I feel uh, bad about that. But <laughs> no, you don't. Why would you feel bad about that? You Matt, if you're swung. listening. He's definitely listening. Sorry. <laughs> He's not sorry. You should have swung. <laughs> you should be sorry that you didn't swing, Matt. But um, um, You should have fucking swung, Matt. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, He's still pissed. It's a fucking uh, fastball. What are you looking for? Everybody's like, we, we all look back at that as being one of the funniest things ever. <laughs> but I can't tell you how many like Red Bulls we went through that year just like, and it wasn't like we sucked at hit. I mean, I think we won 36 or 37 games that year, and we hit well. But, like, it took us 10 games to hit our first home run. You already hit one at Bakersfield. That barely went out, and then we kind of started rolling. But, like, just Red – like, somebody's like, whose Red Bull is this? Like, who gives a shit? And we Can just, I tell you a funny like, story about up, Bayardi? Yeah, like, yeah. I love I love, I love Yardi. Um, so we're playing TCU, and who was the um, – God, they had a great pitcher that year. But anyway – he uh, his first at bat, they throw him just a get me over breaking ball first pitch to put him in the hole 0-1 because they know he's gonna swing at first pitch breaking ball right, and he ends up I think grounding out or something. He comes back in, I go Yardy, you big dumb bastard, fucking the next at bat they're gonna throw you that shitty stupid get me over breaking ball first pitch, sit on it and fucking hit it over the scoreboard, yeah. and he murdered it right like just absolutely annihilated. He came back in, he was like, oh my god, that was great. What are they gonna do next at bat? I go. <laughs> They're going to throw you a first-pitch fastball yeah. because you just smoke the breaking ball. Curveball, yeah. So he gets up the next at-bat. They throw him a first-pitch fastball. He smokes it over the scoreboard. And I swear, every single at-bat from then on out has, what are they going to do? What are they, they going to throw me? I was like, I don't fucking know. I just knew from that one time. Yeah, just like, that one yeah. game, those couple at-bats. Yeah. Uh, one of my funniest memories of um, college baseball in general, and I mean, just college in general. It didn't happen on a baseball field, but it happened in Reno. Um we were there playing. It was just at a random weekend series. So I'm sitting at the blackjack table. We're staying at the Grand Sierra. And it's a great place. Great, great place. We stay there. It's a dangerous place to stay, but it was like really in that <laughs> shithole of a city up north. Like, where else are you supposed to stay, right? <laughs> so uh, great little bowling, little arcade action. That's where we got that monkey. We won that monkey in the arcade that yeah. was in the dugout, the rally, like, he had the sunglasses, stupid. We had so much dumb shit. That monkey went everywhere. He rode in like the front of the bus. and um, We did a lot of dumb stuff. It worked. Pants down rally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, was, yeah, that was classic. Um, do you remember the video that played driving from the hotel in Fresno to the field? Oh, uh, the highlight red, video? Red, 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 Nick. Played it six times. I wanted to shoot myself in the head. <laughs> it's the worst. And then the next day we get on the bus and we just play the same thing. And it was just like a Joey Swanner and Joey Armstrong and TJ. <laughs> We're just watching it over and over again. But uh, back to the Reno story. So we had a curfew of 11 or whatever. Who cares what time it was? But none of us were there. I was gambling. TJ's mom was at the table next to me. Like somebody else's parents were there. They're like, yeah, isn't it past like room checks? And I'm like, oh, there's... There's 20 guys that are somewhere else. Like, if, if someone's <laughs> going to get in trouble, it's going to be them. Like, at least I'm in the hotel. I'm like, plus, I'm, I'm on a heater. Like, I'm not going up to the room. So, all of a sudden, my phone starts buzzing. Just won't stop buzzing. And I don't want to pull it out. I'm like, I, because I don't want to look at it because it probably means that I'm in trouble. And meanwhile, Dawn is like, you should go up to your room. Like, it's really late. I'm like, ah, no, I'm winning. I'm, I'm going to keep going. So, I eventually look at it and it's skip and he just blows me up. So, I, I get my chips and I just start walking in and like, okay, I'm going back to my room, whatever. Calls me back two seconds later, like, where the fuck are you? I'm like, I'm walking to the elevator. Like, I'm not the fastest human being alive. I'll get back up there. And he goes, well, I just found out that 18 guys aren't in their rooms. I'm like, 
so why are you yelling at me? Like, <laughs> why me? He's like, this is your team. And I'm like, okay, well, where are they? I was down there with two guys that were gambling. Like, everybody else is somewhere else. And meanwhile, he's just blowing me up, just going after us. So I go back to the room. My roommate's not there, Dylan Ellis. He was elsewhere. But he blew us up. And you were the one that was responsible for room checks, right? So that night. Well, no, I was, I was always responsible for room checks. But, I mean, I'm not a hypocrite. I, when I was at Florida, we went out almost every night, you know. And, and it, it got to a point where uh, my last year at Florida, we had my roommate, Shane Soroy, who is now uh, the orthopedic surgeon for the Rangers. Um, then our suite mates were Derek Nicholson, is one of my best friends, and Casey Smith. Um, we, were, we were going out every night. So he put us like completely on a different floor away from everybody. Cause he knew we were going, it didn't matter. We were going out, but we were going to get up the next day and, and go at least two for four with a home run. Yeah, so yeah. Like, what are you going to do? So we like, I'm not, a, I'm, I'm not like, you guys are men show yeah. up and play. Right? Well, you weren't so, the one that blew No, up. what happened that night was, uh, I don't know. They got into a, an argument. It was like, we need to be ready to go. And, and chambers like Stolte, you're doing room checks tonight. And so Stolte went around. That's when, yeah, because she went to do that. Yeah. But they were all gone. Like, I was in the hotel, whatever. So, what happens is uh, he blows us up the next day. Like, you better, you better win. Like, you better do this. And, and, and so um, we end up kicking the shit out of him for the next two days, and which was awesome. But the whole. <laughs> The whole point of the story was that next night after we kicked the shit room out of checks him, were crazy. So Haz was doing the room checks, and we knew that like, oh whatever, we're hot shit. At that point, we were rolling. Like we knew we were going to make the postseason. Uh, we knew it was good. Like things were going good, but we all set up plans knowing that Chuck was going to come do room checks. And I don't know whose room you checked first, but what we did was, and I'll post the picture. I have it still of what I put on. I think on that's the, front the, first, of the door. that was the first one I got to. Was yeah. you had the the little note outside the door with like yeah. the m&ms and, like, so we had a we dylan and i left a piece of paper with a note that's saying like hey chuck we're not gonna make it back like please don't tell skip and there was like it was a bribe it, it was, was a like piece of seven, gum. 73 cents like a piece of gum and some m&ms like some great. like trail mix or whatever and ryan scott and nick lebanon if you're listening i fucking hate you yeah. you guys are creepy and yeah. weird you could tell what they did <laughs> so i got down to their room <laughs> and it was like a crime scene, but Libanani, it was like a strobe light going off, and Lebo is sitting there in his whitey tighties, and I don't know, it was, I was scared. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they're the ones that are always going over the top, but, so we made the mistake of what we did was, I don't know why, but we left our door cracked for some reason, and you, like, you went from, okay, so you went to Yardy and Swanner's room, and they were full uni. Oh, they went full uni and went to the bus. Yeah, like, hey, yeah. They're <laughs> like, like, here we roll, go, we're ready. Let's roll. They walked out, and we're watch, walking, watching you go down the hallway, like, go to every room, and then we get back to our room, and it's absolutely trash. Oh, like, yeah. The I beds put, are all over the place. Oh, uh, I think I put everything in your room on the beds, right? You took all the sheets off the bed, and then you put everything from, the like, the room, the chairs, everything. <laughs> the table, yes, the lamps. Yes, Anything, stuff from the bathroom that wasn't over. nailed down and it was like son of a bitch why did we <laughs> leave the door open which i don't understand why we did at that point but but that was hilarious and and we ended up rolling that weekend but I, I, it's the same thing too like we went out when we traveled and, and most of the time like you're not really going to i don't know what it was like for you guys in college but we went to fresno albuquerque colorado springs like oh hey with the Starkville, San Diego school yeah you know baton rouge 
uh, Auburn, <laughs> Alabama, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, T- yeah. Tallahassee. Sounds you know, shitty. No, they were uh, you know just nothing little little town. Starkville's the all right, Mississippi State's great, but Starkville's a terrible town. Yeah, I don't so. know anything about it. <laughs> Gonna have to get into that. But okay, so our 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 hotel, the bed sheets had uh, cigarette burns in them. Ooh, so that, classy that was, joint. Yeah, it was a nice place. That's how you know it's good. Yeah. Um, so let's move away from baseball and on to like your job now. But we t- we touched on it a little bit about being an athlete and and going into a job, whether it be medical sales or the doctor whatever it is um and and people wanting to hire athletes when you walk into a room and you have to do something like sell something to a doctor or whatever it is a surgery are you walking in there with the same confidence and like swaggers you walked into the stadium i wouldn't say that much like i know my i know my instrumentation i know um they need these devices for the patients like the if they're not going to use mine they're going to use somebody else's but um, I don't, I don't necessarily go in there sales pitchy. I go in there and try to earn their trust. You know, like the last thing you want is somebody saying, you need to buy this. You need yeah. to do this. Right. Like you don't want that. It's like, Hey, listen, this is what I have to offer. And this is why I think it's going to help you or help your patients. And, you know, you go from that, he's obviously going to, you know, throw some things back at you. And if you can answer him, he knows you're, you're not full of shit and you go from there. But yeah, it's mainly about, you know, earning, earning the surgeon's trust, because here's the deal. If he decides to use your product, he, you got to be in the OR with him. You know, you're, you're his resource inside the, the surgical suite to make sure that everything's going to go the right way. And that's why you got to earn the surgeon's trust. It's more so than selling. It's, you guys got to become a team and you know, that's what I'm great at. Like, yeah. I spent my whole life on it. So team. that's more the aspect of it is like, you're trying to create a bond and a team for sure. Cause I mean, that's really the thing that I talked about it with Brett and every everybody that's done playing a sport um, knows that that's the part that you miss the most of it is, is having a team. And if you're lucky enough, you stay in touch with all those guys. But there's nothing compared to having a locker room and being able to just hang out there. And if you're lucky, it's a small, shitty locker room and everybody's like super close to each other and you have to hang out with each yeah. other. And because that's that's the fun part in those times, like spending like time my on surgeon, the bus. My the surgeon hotel. last night, um, we didn't get done till roughly around like. 10 15 10 30 and uh shoot for the last hour hour and a half we were talking about, he's a red sox fan and a green bay packers fan and Smart man. you know we were just talking about how bad his you know red sox suck and how bad the packers would kick the shit out of the giants so you know it's you know that was what's great about it. it's like yeah. a locker room atmosphere at that yeah. point you know which i'm sure that makes it way more fun than yeah just a lot more fun because i think a lot of uh i don't know if it's a misconception but most there's so many like so many athletes in college, so few of them go pro, and your career is just to be an athlete forever. You got to go into something else. Very few people are lucky enough to go into coaching and get a good coaching job that that, that can support them. Um, but other people got to go out and find a job, like a real well, that's, job. That's the thing about coaching that um, a lot of people didn't understand when I was doing, it, and they're like, "How can you not, you know, get a gig?" Like, and and I told them like. So there's a head coach and there's two paid assistants and usually one of the paid assistants is a pitching coach and I'm not I'm not going to do that. So there's 100 some odd division 1 programs and there's probably about 25 jobs open a year and of those 25 probably 
15 to 20 are hitting jobs and there's probably 2,500 people applying for them. Yeah. You know, like good luck with that. Yeah. So it's just a, it's a tough deal. And then pretty much head coaches are going to hire people they know. So, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's a tough existence. It really, is. I mean, it's, it's about who, you know, and, and having a little luck, like things just lining up perfectly. And, yep. and the, it's crazy to watch how, um, like the carousel works at the end of the college baseball season. As soon as one conference is done, like one coach gets fired and moves and it just moves and people yep. are bouncing all over the place. Assistants get bumped up. But, um, this is a great thing in like, if this rule might, was different, maybe you'd still be coaching. Um, maybe there, there's a, definitely a lot of people that still would be, but if they were paying a third assistant in college baseball, yeah, for sure. Absolute bullshit that they don't. The amount of hours that people put in, especially a volunteer, um, is ridiculous. And I mean, I, I have first day experience. You from, have first day experience. From the field ready to coaching, the camps, to you name it. It's a, it's a grind. People don't. And outside of the baseball world, players understand it because they see it. And, and anybody in the coaching world understands it. That a volunteer, volunteer coach is basically just like staff bitch. Yeah. Like realist. Like they are responsible for keeping the field money ready to go for practice everything being where it needs to be the practice plan being ready to go um i mean every all the moving parts working together like they can't recruit then they got to run camps they got to work lessons most of the time they're there from they're the first one there in the morning and the last one to leave at night not getting paid shit and then having to go work lessons when they leave to make money and I, i don't know it's it's ridiculous that the Basketball coaches, there's five basketball coaches for 11 guys, right. and they're, uh, ba- baseball staff's responsible for 40 guys, sometimes more in the fall with guys that are redshirting and injured. Yeah, it doesn't and make you, sense. You're going to put three guys responsible for that, four guys, and not pay one of them? Like, are you shitting me? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe your baseball programs would do better and could make more money and be cleaner and more successful if you had well, a better Well, baseball's staff. got a whole different problem right now, and... and you know, viewership's down, attendance is down. I mean, baseball across the board, it's it's a it's a difficult thing right now. Like I can, I don't even like watching the game right now because there's no real, you know, there's no, you know, there's no strategy in the game right now. It's all launch. Yeah, throw it as hard as you can and see how far you can hit it. Yeah. You know, it's, there's no you hardly ever see anybody bunt, which is crazy. That just disappeared, which is just like... Stealing bases completely disappeared. We were watching the Red Sox-Phillies game last night, and Jackie Bradley Jr. has nine attempts. Yeah. That's still in bags. Like, what are we... Are you kidding me? It's crazy. Show the attempts at, like, numbers from 10 years ago and stuff like that. And I know that home runs are up, and I don't... I'm going to watch baseball regardless. I think it's it's cool, and um, I'm a fan, but... There's got to be a way to get people involved. Like I don't know, baseball is not marketed well. No. You don't see Major League Baseball marketed very well at all. You see the NFL everywhere. You see the NBA everywhere, and even now you see the PGA everywhere. Like my, Major League Baseball is kind of just like it's kind of just there. The NHL is fucking huge. Yep. I don't know. It's just it's frustrating, but they're paying all those guys so much money. It's like save a little money, market them a little bit, and then maybe you could make some more money, and this this thing could turn out a little bit bigger. But. Um, I don't know. Can we fix it? What would you do? You're the you are not the commissioner. I'm not smart enough to figure You're that out. The commissioner out. tomorrow. I'd um, probably ban the shift. That'd be the first thing. It's so annoying to yeah. watch. That's got to be so frustrating as a hitter. I can't imagine that. I, well, I think it's stupid. If you hey, if you shift on me, I'll take a base hit all day long. Yeah, I don't whatever. Know, like 
I, back in the day, I could hit it wherever I wanted to. Like if it was out, I'm, I know exactly where I'm hitting the ball. Yeah. Like great bad head control. If you want to do that to me, fine. I'm I'll, totally I'll, okay with hitting yes. a ground ball right there and getting a single. Yeah, like that's cool if you're gonna give I'm that to me every time. That. Yeah. Yep. Then they shift it back and you hit a double. And yep. there's always the argument of like guys that, like why don't why don't guys bunt like the home run guys like they put those shift on why they bunt like because they're getting paid a shit ton of money to home runs like they don't want them to hit singles they're gonna clog up the bases like. Yeah. They want that guy to try I thought, on the bases. I thought it was cool to be on base. Like, I hit home runs, but I thought it was cool to be on yeah. base. Because, like, uh, listen, our, almost all of my games at the University of Florida were on TV. And if I was on base, I was Camera's on TV. on you. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, you know, I hit a home run. Sure, they, I'd trot around the bases. Great. Like, I could see it. But, you know, I'm on TV for, you know, two minutes, right? Yeah. If I'm on base, I'm on TV for 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. That, that was the biggest. I mean, that was a get on base. I'm not vain at all, that's, by the way. No, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> But that, that's really, I think that's something that's disappeared in baseball and even like coaching the last couple of years. Guys won't get hit. They yeah. get out of the way of shit. They jump out of the way. Even if you like try and ingrain it as much as you can, they still don't want to get hey, hit. My, like, who gives my, a shit how bad it hurts? My like, teammate in college, we were freshmen together, David Eckstein. David Eckstein doesn't play a minute in Major League Baseball right now. And he's a World Series MVP. I mean, he does not play a minute of Major League Baseball today. It's crazy. You know, it's I, I don't the way the games change. The the point of the game is to score runs. To score runs, you get to get on base. And yeah. if you're really like, if you're a team player, because in college the game like it's winning. It's do whatever it takes to win. Like it's get on base. Like, dude, if you're on base, that means that guy's got a chance to score you. Like, yeah. who gives a shit? Like, you're gonna have a bruise, whatever. Like, your on base percentage is going up. You're there. You got a chance to score a run. You got a chance to steal a bag. Like something can happen, but. Guys want to get out of the way. You can take those free base hits because even now in college, guys are shifting. It's like, hey, that whole left side of that infield's open. Just drop one down. That's yeah. it. Or just hit a slap single that way. Hit hit a ground ball to third base and run your ass off. You get a double real quick. Yeah. So I, I don't know. This shit, that'd be nice getting rid of the shift. But yeah, neither one of us is smart enough to figure that stuff out. No, I, I definitely am not. I'm gonna continue <laughs> to watch it. I don't know, but you got to get to an Aviators game. And check that out because that's fun. That's I mean to me that's just like. It's easier than going to a big league game. Obviously, we don't have that opportunity here, but the stadium's super easy access, um, and it's beautiful up there. It's good baseball, too, triple-A baseball. It's good stuff. Always good Who are they playing tonight? Yeah, I don't yeah. even know who they're playing tonight. Do you have any idea? Mm-hmm. Nope. How about uh, the Dark Knight pitch the other night for yeah, the Aviators? Right? Yeah. It kind of fell off, huh? How about that? I mean, just they should have taken the ball away from him in the ninth inning of the World Series. They should have. From then on, it's just been dog shit. It's been haunting him forever, <laughs> and it's that just wears you down, I guess. But that sucks. I, that's got to be so tough because he was, I mean, he was the guy. He was on he top was of the, the world. Yeah. Like, he was the ace in Major League Absolutely. Baseball, and then now it's, he's pitching in AAA, trying yeah. to get his way back. He has been ever since that that point, but I, mean, I think the game's humbling. It's crazy. Wow. But he, he's still doing it. He's still grinding after it'd be easy to just back away from it but um i want to talk before we wrap up just a little bit more about work um something that you've always taken a super interest in is tiger because of the back so it's interesting with him that uh he got a fusion at at, uh, l5s1 and i can tell you this like typically fusions take about a year to two years to happen for the bone to actually form and that's where he's at right now. He's just past the two-year point, and his back is fused. He won the Masters this year. But I can tell you this. When you fuse your spine, you put additional pressure on the levels above or below. In this case, 
at 5.1, that's pretty much the lowest level. That is the lowest level you can fuse. So he's putting additional pressures above that. So I guarantee you he's going to break down over the next couple of years. Typically, if you have a fusion and you're super active, you're going to have another surgery within five years. Like that's just at, at his age for what he's doing, he's going to have another surgery. Um, this type of surgery. Then we get another tiger comeback. There you go. But he also, I'll tell you this too. This is a, this is a good term for you. Um, what he had was an ALIF, an A-L-I-F. It's an anterior lumbar inner body fusion. So basically what they did is they laid him on his back and did spine surgery through his stomach. So they sliced him over and removed his insides. But one of the things for men who have that surgery and at that age, one of the side effects, like typically about, I can't remember what the exact percentage is, but it's a lot. It's a very high percentage of men who have the surgery get something called retrograde ejaculation. So that's going to be your key term today, retrograde ejaculation, which makes this pretty interesting for Tiger Woods, is that retrograde ejaculation means that during, yeah, <laughs> when you ejaculate, instead of it coming out your Johnson, it actually it blows into your bladder. So you ended up urinating it out later. But the good thing for him is a known sex addict can't ejaculate anymore the proper way. So you don't have to worry about kids. So this is great for him. It's a great side effect to his surgery. So I'm not saying he's one of the candidate, one of the, one of the patients that that's happened to, but it's a, there's a very high percentage that he has retrograde ejaculation from the surgery he had. So I've never heard of that before. That's yeah. so strange. Yeah, look, you I sure you're not making it up? I'm, I'm not... definitely not looking that up, but thank you for bringing that to my attention. Um, so tiger is firing blanks if you need it for all you ladies out there. <laughs> Um, so your job, I mean, it's kind of, you're in, you're in the middle of surgery, like very serious spine surgery and, and you're relied upon for, well, I don't know what the term you're, you're needed. I'm your, a, your I'm stuff a is needed. I yeah. like to say I'm a resource in surgery. So yes. Could it be done without you? 100%. I'm surprised they even let us in. Tell you the truth. Really? Yeah. Like, like they let Joey in. So that's I know. Crazy. Right. So no, like one of the first times I was in surgery, um, the, it's a sterile field. They call it a sterile field, right? And you, it, and for obvious reasons, you don't want an infection in surgery. So, um, I mean, you got to go through all these courses. You got to do all these things to get approved to get into the OR suite, right? And so they talk about the sterile field around the patient. And one of the things is the C arm, and that's to take X-rays in surgery to make sure you know the screws are in the right place, whatever. Well, the C arm is is draped, and so it's in the sterile field. But sometimes it, they can pull it out because the surgeon wants to move around the patient and and whatnot. So it's one of the first times. Well, scrubs will they don't fit like a t-shirt. They kind of bow off your arm, and <laughs> I'm walking around the table because I'm trying to get to my instrumentation, and I don't even see it. But I I swipe the C arm with my side of my shirt. Now it's contaminated, right? And and this the C arm tech goes. Hey, you just hit the C arm. I turn around and I nicked it with the other side oh of my, my sleeve. God. And he goes, "Hey, power move, man! You contaminated it <laughs> twice on one turn." I was like, "Ah, oh, Christ, man! I felt like such a jackass." So completely like delayed the surgery like twenty five minutes wow, while they did that. Yeah, it was solid. I, I felt like an absolute jackass. I mean, it's definitely better to be safe there. But can you like? I don't really get a very detailed. I mean, you've showed me some pictures of surgeries before. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff that's going on, but when that's when someone's cut up, say that Tiger Woods, if you're standing in there, like what are you doing in that surgery? Well, typically I'm working with the scrub tech, and that's the what they call nurses now that that handle you know 
they're basically the assistant of the surgery of the surgeon. So, um, they're, you know, those people are trained for the type of surgeries that we're doing. And in his case, there's a, a for Tiger's case being an, an a lift, you're going to have a ton of retractors. So you're going to make a small incision and then you're going to put in metal retractors to keep that incision area open. Um, so your those retractors are, are part of your instrumentation. They could be hospital owned, or you could provide the the uh, retractor system. So I would be helping the scrub tech with how to put the retractor together, how to attach it to the bed, um, then which blades he's going to need, the lights to go down the retractor blades so that they could see interoperatively. Uh, and then when the surgeon gets down there, the tools he's going to need to do the disectomy to pull out the discs, um, and then the, the trials for your cage, and then the inserters for the cage, doing all that stuff. So that's what I'm there for. I'm, I'm going to help out with the equipment. You're just helping out with the equipment. You're the equipment manager. I'm the, the equipment manager. The that works. That's, yeah. a, that's how we dumb it down right there. <laughs> um, last thing real quick. I mean, obviously, uh, when you coached me, um, you weren't in this situ- situation, but now you are lucky enough to be a father of two, Yeah, which is cool, and it makes me look at you like you're an old man. Uh, for sure I am. But... I mean, the gray hair doesn't give it away. No, but I have, I'm getting gray hair, dude. I got all the gray hairs in the beard, and I'm so far from having kids, so that scares me. As soon as I have kids, I'm going to turn so gray. But, I mean, Hudson's sick, so we got to get you out of here. So you go take take care of him, get him to the doctor. But um, how cool is it to know, like, to have kids and know that I'll tell you, at some point you're going to teach your kids, not somebody else's kids, how to the, play? The, and it's funny, too. Um, all right, so I have two kids. I have a... a Three and a half year old boy and, and a nine month old girl, and uh, I'll tell you first and foremost when you're getting when you're ready to have kids, the first eight to ten weeks are a living hell. It's the word just survive in advance, like just get through those first eight to ten weeks is a nightmare. Okay, after that it's amazing, right? Um, I'll tell you this: this summer was the first time um, Hudson did anything baseball. We put him in t-ball, and the funniest thing. Tina's signing up, my wife's signing him up for T-ball, and on there, it, you can say if you want to coach or not. She's like, oh, my God, you can coach. You should coach. Like, you're a baseball coach. And I was like, the last thing I'm going to fucking do is coach fucking T-ball. Right? Sounds terrible. There's, like, you and I both know camp is the ultimate four-letter word. <sighs> like, young kids camp is just, you know, kill me now. Right? I want nothing to do. First of all, all I want to do is watch my kid. Like yeah. That's what I'm there. I don't want to coach other kids. Like I just want to go watch Care my kid. kids. Yeah. Like I don't want to coach this thing. It's a nightmare. Like yeah. so. So we get him out there, and it's the funniest thing. He, <laughs> like we, he'll he'll even ask me too. Like, Dad, let's go hit baseball. So I have a tee in the backyard, and we'll hit. And that's awesome. I love it. Well, tee ball, you know, he he he's on up to bat, and he hits the. He doesn't know which way to run, and you got to tell him where to yeah. run. But then on defense. He never even looks at the fucking hitter. Like he's just out. He's just he's just grabbing dirt and throwing it and kicking dirt. And it's like, holy shit, this is a nightmare. But it's funny. Some of those Instagram. I mean, you guys are pretty good at posting good funny videos of him, which is great. But that and that kid has more energy. That last time I came over to your house, he's just sprinting up and down the hallway. Like how does? And it was late too. It was like nine o'clock. Like how is this kid still awake? He just run. Like that's the one thing I can tell is he's a runner. Like, yeah. he can flat out run, that kid. That's all he does. Like, he's, I mean, he's already got giant calves. He's, you know, he's going to, he's athletic for sure. There's an athlete gene in there. I just got to figure out what he wants to do. There's got to be some golf talent in there. Well, that's the thing. We take him to the driving range. And, like, I was hoping. I was like, ooh, you know, my wife's a golfer. Like, he's yeah. going to play golf. And every time we go to the driving range, he just runs to the sand trap and 
plays in the sand trap. He'll rake it. He'll put his trucks in there. Like he wants, he'll take one swing of the golf club and sprint to the sand trap and play around in the sand trap. I was yeah. like, yeah, maybe he'll be a caddy. Yeah, maybe <laughs> make some money there. Figure it out. Um, I mean, maybe I don't know. He's still pretty young. Maybe he'll yeah. figure out golf. I mean, I can't remember when I started golfing, but I can't imagine I was that focused at the beginning. All right. He's a cute ass kid. I haven't met your daughter yet, so we gotta... she's adorable. She's a sweetheart. She's got the biggest cheeks and the biggest eyes. Like you know, I'm Who? in trouble. Like I, when she's gonna go down, I'm gonna yes. Yeah. Like I didn't even tell you anything. Yeah. Yes, whatever yep. you want. Sure. Yeah. Here's my wallet. Yeah. Um, who was a, who was easier as a baby? Oh, Hudson was easier as a baby. Like that first ten week period, he was easier. Like he didn't when he was born the first day, he didn't make a peep. It was crazy, and uh, she came out screaming. And so the, for the first time, I would get. I told Tina this too. It's hilarious. I go, "Hey, listen, I love our daughter, but I don't like her. <laughs> <laughs> like I did not like her for the first ten weeks." <sighs> Um, but I love her to death. She's definitely easier now than he yeah. was for sure. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. She, uh, you know, you put her down at night and she goes right to sleep. I mean, you put her in a crib, she goes right to sleep. Um, she eats well. Hudson had acid reflux. Like he would, you know, he would spit up and like, if you laid him down within an hour of eating, he was, he gets, you know, it's called GERD for babies. Like it feels like you've got acid in your throat, so yeah. he'd start screaming. So that was that was tough for him. Sure, but, that's fun. Oh yeah, parenting—it's great. Yeah, I got some time on that, but uh, bef- I mean, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about? No, I think good. We I'm about just it. happy to be here. Happy yeah. to see you, brother. We'll have to. I I really appreciate you doing this, and yeah. we'll have to. Well, I might have to get some uh, hard knocks like recaps going, yeah. but we got you got to get home and watch that because it was. I gotta watch it. It was hilarious. And we gotta we'll, do some Giants. Recap too after the season starts. We will be going to plenty of Giants games at the bar, which yes. is open now. I drove by the other day. Yeah, I went there with my my dad was in town last weekend, so nice. we went over there and had lunch. It's How really was it? nice. It the good. only thing I don't like, I told Joe, Joe the Joe and James are the the owners and they're good friends of mine. Um, Maybe we could do like a we could do one over there. Giants zero and sixteen yeah. party. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do do the uh, podcast over there. Vegas Golden Mike's over at the bar, but. uh now listen, I was I was over there and I told him the only thing like they used to have the restaurant side. Yeah. And having a kid. Oh, you could go there. You could I could like they the just Giants blew it game. Out. The, yeah, if the Giants game was on, like it wasn't on. I could I I would call Joe. I was like, hey, can you open up the restaurant side and I can bring Hudson? He's like, Yeah. So I would bring Hudson would just run around in the restaurant yeah, side while I watched guys. the game. It was just me and him. Now that's not there, so I can't bring him. So there. they just blew it out and that whole thing it is a bar. A, damn. Yeah. So it's massive it's in there. It's huge. Yeah, we got to go That's check nice. that out soon. Yeah. We are golfing on Saturday, bright yes. and early. I am not prepared for some reason. I'm not getting better. I play well, I haven't, like I said, I haven't played since we played, and that was what, like two, three weeks ago? Probably, yeah, three weeks ago, almost a month now. That's so, long. full disclosure, this is the Fat Boy Open on Saturday, which is the greatest name of a golf tournament ever. Oh, so. we're not going to, there's no way we're going to weigh 900 pounds. No, but. I don't know. I'm going to eat some cheeseburgers before. I can fatten. I'll have a couple. I'll go to Dairy <laughs> Queen every night for the next couple of nights. It'll be good. Put some change in my pockets. We'll be all right. Um, thanks, Haz, for coming on. Uh, he'll be my back pleasure. on at some point during the football season to talk about the Giants. Hopefully it's happy. Probably will be sad. And if you take away anything from this podcast, no, don't take retrograde ejaculation. Okay. Those, that's what he's telling you to take away from it. You could find him on <laughs> Instagram at chazard 24 Chuck Hazard, uh, my very good friend. Appreciate him coming on. Follow us on Instagram at vegas.golden.mics on Twitter, Vegas, at Vegas Mics. Uh, subscribe on YouTube. Follow on 
Spotify, iTunes, so you know when all those new episodes come out. Uh, thanks so much for listening or watching. Smell you later.